Mark chapter 8. As we go through this gospel, remembering that Mark's intent in writing it, in interviewing the various apostles, especially Peter, who he was a, a great assistant for, as he wrote these things down, he did it to help his readers understand who Jesus, the Son of God, is. And we're going to see again this morning who he is. Verse 22. Verse 22. They'd been ministering on the Gentile side of the Sea of Galilee, and then they came back. In verse 22, they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. I've been called that. (laughs) Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't go into the village. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Christ. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about tell anyone about him. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, He rebuked Peter. Out of my sight, Satan, he said, you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. We're going to stop there. It's the middle of the story. We've got to stop somewhere. Are we amazed? We just read again, and we've read a lot of these. We just read again where Jesus took a blind guy and gave him sight. Boring. No. No. He did that. Again, as we've been seeing the way he does these miracles, very rarely does he do do it the same way twice. This is another unique way of him doing it. This this one was kind of a a two-step one, or three steps. First, he spit in the guy's eyes. And again, in these days, 
I mean, our first reaction is, what? But then we have to remember, wait a minute, this is Jesus. This is celestial spit. But he's fully God, fully man. This is really spit. But he used it to start opening that guy's eyes. Laid his hands on him. And the guy could kind of see. A lot more than he had been seeing. But he could kind of see. And then Jesus touched him again. And the rest of it turned on. Amazing. We need to be amazed by this. Some of us have read this story over a hundred times in our lives. Some of us more than that. We can't let these stories become ho-hum. The life and ministry of Jesus Christ back in first century Palestine was not ho-hum. This is amazing, and it was amazing every time, everywhere that he did it. And this particular one may have even some extra oomph to it because of the kind of two-step process that he took this guy through. Because, and, and the reason I say that, and we, and we don't know that for sure. Nowhere else, none of the apostles say, now when Jesus did the two-step you know, healing of the man born blind, he was showing sort of the way that he's opening up the, the, the gospel you know, to, to these people. Because remember, here he, in, in just a moment, he's going to be talking to his disciples about who he really is. And when they, when they come up with the right answer, which Peter did, he says, now, don't tell anybody. Because that part of the, pro, that, that part of the, of the message isn't, I'm not ready for that yet. I'm not ready for them to hear that yet. I'm still showing them some stuff. As he was. What, what an amazing creator God he is. He's letting them know that. But it's coming that he's going to let them know that he's the prophet that they've been waiting for ever since Moses. That prophet that Moses announced back in Deuteronomy 18, as Mark read this morning. Jesus is that prophet. He is that one coming. He is the Messiah. He's the Christ, as, as Peter said. But he's waiting to, to, to bring that part of the message in through the ministry of the apostles primarily. So that may be why he did the two-step that day with that guy, with his apostles around him watching. Or it may have been just that's what he wanted to do with that day. But whatever the case, he is amazing. He is compassionate, and he is powerful. And he uses his power to change people's lives. Oh, this guy's life, the, the blind man, his life was changed physically and socially immediately. And don't you know, he spent a lot of time thinking about the guy who did that. And probably spent some time following him around and listening to what he had to say to see who this man is. Well, Peter got it. Peter got it. They were talking about what people had been saying, and and that's what people had been saying. John the Baptist, remember, Herod thought it was John the Baptist come back from the dead because he was freaked out because he killed John the Baptist, and he was afraid of all that kind of stuff. He thought that's what was happening. The Old Testament says that Elijah is going to come before the Messiah, so they're, they're thinking maybe maybe this is Elijah. 
Jesus lets us know that, that Elijah coming before him was John the Baptist. John was a, an example of the ministry of Elijah in the New Testament. And then others said he's just one of the other prophets. Some of them said specifically Jeremiah even, different, different prophets. But then Jesus gets to the point. Who do you guys say I am? You've been watching. You've been listening. You've been going out. I've given you power, given you strength. Who do you say I am? Peter nailed it. You're the Christ. Now, he said more than that. You see a, a, a more expanded answer in the book of Ma- in the Gospel of Matthew. But we're looking at what Mark is trying to get through to us in this Gospel. Just he gives it very succinctly. He says, you are the Christ. That's the crux of the matter. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the promised one. You are the one that we've been waiting on. You're the one who's going to forgive us of our sins. You're the one who's going to reestablish the kingdom of God on earth. That's all, that, that, that was all wrapped up in his answer, the Christ. And Jesus said, don't tell anybody. There's coming a day when he's going to tell them tell everybody. But right now, in the, in, the, in the way this is unfolding, don't tell anybody yet. i got more stuff to tell you. And then he starts laying it on them heavy. Let me tell you what they're going to do to the Christ. We're going down to Jerusalem, and it's not going to be pretty. And he lays out, before it happens, exactly what's going to happen to him when he gets to Jerusalem. Exactly what they're going to do to him. And when I say they, Jews and Gentiles alike, they're going to mistreat him. They're going to kill him. But on the third day, he says, he's going to rise again. And Peter, who knew the right answer, said, ah. He, he, he used two words that never go together. Lord, no. It's like dad, no. Or mom, no. They don't, they don't go together. Lord, which means, and we get so mixed up sometimes, we think of Lord being his nickname. It's, not, it's his title. He's the master. And so if he's the master, there's no no in the vocabulary. But Peter, thinking he knew better, I mean, he, he knows that this is the Christ. And there's a lot of things in the Old Testament that point to Jesus suffering and dying, the Messiah suffering and dying. But Peter was focused more on the reestablishing the kingdom part. And that's what he was looking forward to. That's what he was expecting. And so he said, uh-uh, uh-uh, no, 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 no. He even, Mark even uses the, the strong word, and remember, Peter was Mark's primary source. Peter felt this. The Lord rebuked him. He, he, he said, no, you're wrong, Peter. And then he got serious. Get behind me, Satan. Okay, that's strong. And the, and the thing that he said 
is, is what I want us to focus on now for the next few minutes. You don't have in mind the things of God. See what he said? Do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Now, Peter had some of the things of God in mind, but his main priority was setting up things good for him and and he probably was thinking about the other disciples too but they they were looking forward to the Christ and now they know who he is and they're his best buddies this is all working out very well and now he's going to establish the kingdom and this is going to be Amazing. But I don't see that happening if you die and all that stuff. So forget that. Let's do this. And Jesus gets to the heart of the issue. What do you really care about, Peter? Because see, what Jesus was going to do, he had to do for the other thing to be of any value. If he didn't die and wasn't raised again on the third day, then whatever kingdom he established was just going to be a temporary one. Because the people in it are still sinners and they're still going to die in their sins and they're still going to be separated from God for eternity. But if he dies, and if he's raised again on the third day like he says he's going to be, and don't forget this when we get to, the, when we get to Easter, don't forget this. This isn't the only time he says these things, but we, we forget sometimes that the gospel, the story is full of him announcing that he was going to do these things. Because we, we get there and he says, I told you this would happen. We're thinking, wait a minute, when did, he, when did he say that? I don't remember. The disciples didn't remember it. Sometimes we don't remember it, but we read it. He says this numerous times because it's important. They have to see this part of his ministry. The painful part of his ministry is necessary Because of our sinfulness. Peter was going to be of no use to him in the kingdom if he was going to die and be separated from him and and, and spend eternity in hell. He was not going to be able to bring him the glory and honor for eternity that he designed and made Peter for. And the other apostles and us. And so this painful, dark part of the story is necessary for what Peter was looking forward to as he was looking from the perspective of himself. Having in mind the things that concern him, he was overlooking something that he needed desperately. He needed Jesus to die on the cross. He needed him to be mistreated by all those Jewish leaders and by the, by the Romans. He needed all that to happen because Peter himself was in desperate need of a Savior because he was a sinner like we are. And so Jesus uses this phrase, this this amazing phrase, you don't have in your mind 
the things of God. That's why we do this. That's why we, that's why we spend this time together opening this book together. That's why we did it earlier in the morning. That's why we'll do it later this afternoon. That's why we'll do it throughout the week. With our kids, with our grandkids, with each other, friends. We need to have the things of God in our minds. And it doesn't just happen. Now, for Peter, he already knew a lot of the Old Testament. And he understood it even better hanging around Jesus. But, but Peter's learning the things of God, but he's not seeing it all at once. He's not getting it all at once. And again, I think that, that goes back to the healing of this blind man in this, in this way. Jesus knew what was coming up. Jesus knew what was going to happen. That, that Peter was going to, on the one hand, yes, I understand. And then, I'm Satan. It's a process. God's taken the apostles through this process. He's taken Palestine through this process. And then he's going to unleash these apostles. Think about who he's unleashing. These fishermen, these former tax collectors, you know, these just plain old people. Empowered by the Holy Spirit to let everybody know what has been done for them and who did it. The things of God. Peter was learning those things. And later Peter would be used of God to help write these things. Not only this gospel, but also his letters, his epistles. Where we learn critical things about how to put these things into practice in our lives. How we, how we live these things out that, that Jesus taught and did. Following his own example. And remember, Peter, at the end of the, at the, end of the Gospel of John, after the, after the resurrection of Jesus, Peter was told by Jesus that he was going to die for him. So Peter, Peter lived his, the rest of his life, the rest of his ministry, knowing that one of these places that he's going to be telling people about Jesus, one of these places... It's not going to end well. But by that time, it was okay because Peter understood the things of God. Peter understood fully by that time that as soon as his life was taken from him, he was going to once again be in the presence of his Savior, Jesus, but this time in his glory. And Peter knew what that glory had gotten a glimpse of it on the Mount of Transfiguration. When Peter, James, and John got to see Jesus meet with Elijah and Moses. And they were glowing like we can't even understand. He understood there, there was coming a time when he was going to be in that glory with Jesus and with the rest of the saints. And so he was looking forward to that. And so his death was no longer the biggest deal as it was back here in Caesarea Philippi. When he's putting together, if that happens to him, what's going to happen to me? And this isn't going to go well. And I don't know. We're not doing that. He's not, he's, he stopped that. As he gained understanding of the things of God, he stopped rebuking Jesus and started obeying Jesus. Not being mostly and primarily concerned with his physical 
and temporary well-being. But being concerned with the things of God. And so we're also in this process. Seeing our minds, as the Apostle Paul put it, in Romans chapter 12, when he said that we are supposed to be offering our bodies as living sacrifices, they said that we're supposed to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. That tells us there's something wrong with our minds. There was something wrong with Peter's mind. It was too focused on temporary things. It wasn't focused enough on the things of God. To the point that he's trying to rebuke his own creator, his own savior, his own Lord. He was really off at this moment. He wasn't always off, but he was really off on this moment. And I'm sure he spent a lot of time thinking about what Jesus said to him. Because I doubt, I don't think Jesus said this about anybody else. I don't think Jesus called anybody else Satan. That was, that was one of Peter's claims to fame. What was one of your, what was one of the great moments here? Oh, well, the creator of the universe called me Satan. Peter was forgiven because Jesus was right. He was going to die. He was going to rise again. He did all that. But he's also, by sending his Holy Spirit to live in, in all of us who believe, he's also doing what Peter needed. He's also doing that in us. Renewing our minds so that we can think God's way. We've, we've got to commit ourselves to this. We don't do this by nature. Our nature tells us, take care of yourself. Take care of this immediate need that you have going. Take care of, of, of what's going on right now. This is all there is. If you don't, nobody's going to. And Jesus says other stuff about this. Jesus says, I'll use you even if they kill you. And that's going to be okay. He said that specifically to Peter. But through Peter, he says it, says it to all of us. In, in, uh, in 1 Peter chapter 2, he said, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your good deeds and glorify your Father on the day he visits us. Or glorify God on the day he visits us. In other words, don't take it so bad. I mean, do we like to be accused of doing wrong by the pagans? I mean, the people of the first century didn't like that, I don't think. I don't think people, what century are we in now? 21st century. I don't think we like it either. But he said, be concerned about the pagan. Be concerned about the And remember what a pagan is, a person who worships other gods other than the God of the Bible. Be concerned about that person that's, that's accusing you of doing wrong. Don't, don't try to mess with him or her. Live life in front of them. Reflect the glory of God before them so that they also will find out that they can be forgiven of their sins like you were. And have eternal life to glorify God for all eternity. We were saying about that this morning. 
it is going to be something, folks, for him to keep us from being bored. We get bored in 10 minutes or less. 10,000 years and then forevermore. Did you catch those words this morning? Everybody think about that? How is he going to keep our attention? He's going to. He's going to. And Dan, I think, introduced a few things in, the, in, in our prayer for the offering this morning, talking about our, our involvement in missions. I think there's going to be just lots of time to find out how God did what he did in all these different places around the world, in all these different centuries, or in all these different people groups through each other. It's going to be an amazing thing to, to, to see and, and, to, and to watch. But the main thing is we're going to be in the glory. And that's going to be enough. Remember, this is what Jesus, when he was praying for his disciples in John 17, just before his crucifixion, he said about his, he said about his apostles, Father, I want them to be with me so they can see my glory. See, that's what it's going to be. That, that's what's going to be enough. Don't worry about whether you can handle, you know, you know some, some of you think about that 10,000 years and then forevermore and think, I'm not good at long-lasting things. I, you know, don't worry. Don't worry. He's got that part covered. Because you're going to be in the glory. You're going to be in utter amazement for all eternity. It's not going to wear off. You know, every, everything else seems to wear off. That is not going to wear off. And that's what he's looking forward for us. He wants us to get there. Now, it's not our job to speed that up. He has his timing. But he wants us to get there. Because he wants us to see his glory. He knows what's going to happen in us when we see his glory. It is, it's just going to be amazing. And it's going to last. But it was only going to happen if he did the things of God. This is a reminder how we are glad that nobody else is in charge except for God. We're glad Peter's not in charge. Great guy. And the Lord used him in great ways. But we wouldn't be here today. We wouldn't have eternal life today if Peter had been in charge. If he had talked Jesus out of going to the cross. No, you're not doing that, Jesus. I got this plan. Here's the way we're going to do it. Okay. You're okay. No. That would have messed up. We needed him to go to the cross. And we need to see life. We need to see relationships. We need to see our jobs. We need to see our finances. The way God sees them. We need to have the things of God in our minds. That was holding Peter back. Oh, God, Jesus was working with him. He wasn't giving up on him. I mean, Peter might have felt like he may be giving up on him once he got to that point of calling him Satan. But he wasn't. He wasn't done yet. The end of the Gospel of John is a wonderful picture of Jesus getting back together with Peter after all that Peter had done and said and didn't do and say and reminding him there's, there's more for him. There's more for us. We need the things of God in our minds. So, last Sunday of the first month of 2023, some of you are right on track. You decide you're going to read your Bible this year, and you're right on track. Some of you are only a little bit off schedule. Some of you are so far off schedule in one month that you're just, I'm starting again in 2024. 
I am not concerned about your schedule. I'm not concerned how you do it. But you need to put this word in your mind. It's your only hope of living life for the glory of God. Otherwise, you're going to do it like Peter. And when you disagree with something that, that God is doing, you're, you're just going to say, no, we're not, that's not right. And you're going to be completely wrong. And you're going to miss. I mean, it won't be as, it won't be as much as we would have missed if Peter would have convinced Jesus. But it's going to mess your life up. And it's going to mess up the lives of those that, that love you and that, and that you know if you operate thinking about the things of men instead of the things of God. You need your mind to be renewed by the word of God. You need the things of God to be front and center in your priorities, in your attention, in your life. Praise God that Jesus is who he is, that he did what he did, and that he's patient with people like Peter. Let's bow together in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, help us never to get ho-hum about your amazing work, your amazing power, your amazing person to be the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all at once, forever. Help us never to get tired of hearing stories or reading them about the work that you do, about the miracles that you perform. Help us never get tired of being corrected by you like Peter was. Father, some of us have been corrected this morning by your word. We really related with having our minds on the things of men instead of your things. And so we ask you now to help us. Help us to overcome the obstacles that have been keeping us from reading and studying your word, whatever they are. Your word has promised that your spirit will give us the discipline that we need to grow in our faith. And so on that promise, we know that we can do this. And so we pray that you help us. Help us help each other. And help us to learn to focus on the things of God. Father, some are starting that focus today or this week or have recently where they have received Jesus. Even though many others don't receive him, Father, your word says that those who receive him, those who believe on his name, are given the right to become the children of God. Father, some are starting that process, starting that, that new walk, that new life right now. Some need to. And we pray that you work in their lives, that you'd remind them that you have done this, you've died, you've risen again for them. That you have what they need, the power to forgive sins. You showed that as you healed people, as you cast out demons, as you stated that their sins were forgiven. You let us know that you're the one who can do that. 
Father, there are some here this morning who, who need to be forgiven. And there are others of us who have already been forgiven, and we want to say thank you again. And some of us also need to confess again some sins that we haven't confessed yet. But we can because of who you are. And you've shown us that again this morning. Father, we get distracted. Help us to stay the course. Help us to know the things of God. And then, by the power of your Spirit, to act like it. For your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen.